Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. We're boyfriends watching the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, episode by episode, spoiler free. I'm Sam. I'm Mike. I'm a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer super fan. And I'm on my first watch. Um, and yeah, it's going It's going great so far. Oh, wow. Season two, firing on all cylinders. I mean, yeah. Pretty, I mean, we're really coming down to the wire of our first run of episodes when you really have to make your choice. Next episode is the agreed upon 15th episode are you getting ready to uh make up your mind about whether we're gonna keep doing the show or not uh i guess i've got a, a week to decide yeah. to, to think about it or a few weeks since we're who knows when we'll record the next episode well we do have it scheduled already so all of us okay so we do know <laughs> okay will there be a special segment that week about um will mike mike's continue. choice mike's choice yeah. yeah it'll be the last thing we discuss next week oh well i guess i'm just gonna have to see where my head and my heart are at um and if this week's episode is anything to go by it could be taken apart by the villain of the week are, are you saying it's anyone's game because this the quality of this episode was subpar I'm not saying it was... No, I was trying to make like a Frankenstein. Yeah, no, I get oh, it. you got it. Wow. Just trying to get to the meat of your thoughts. Yeah, well, if it's a bad episode, it doesn't bode well in continuing <laughs> the pod's favor. Yeah. But if it's a good episode, I'm willing to give it a fair chance. And perhaps I selected a strange number of 15 episodes knowing that season two, episode three could help me get what i want <laughs> you know i did get a little bit of a spoiler when we were setting up mm, to watch this episode i got the log line for episode three and it sounded really good so who, yeah who knows i don't know well well we're not here to talk about season two episode three we're here to talk about season two episode two school hard or no, that's season seven, <laughs> next episode season two episode two some assembly required our first monster of the week of season two um interesting what did, what were your thoughts yeah it was fine um i've seen better monster of the week episodes and i i've seen better monster of the week episodes by the buffy creative team mm. but you know we're heading into longer seasons now they've got a lot more padding they need to put out there um so I'm expecting more of this going forward. But it wasn't bad. Not bad. And they did pepper in, you know, some longer threaded emotional arcs as well. I mean, Jenny and Giles on their first date, their <laughs> official first date. Like, that, that, I feel like that is a delineation from a true case of the week, sitcom-y, monster of the week episode. Like, there was a change in the dynamics in this episode. True. We got um giles and jenny on their first date with plans to make a second date mm -hmm. um i feel like there were more well i well we'll get into it as we get into the the meat of the episode but i thought they did a good job of you know sprinkling in new plots for other characters to follow mm. in the future some i think the show will continue pull, they'll keep pulling on those plot threads and some were immediately dropped this episode. What's something from this episode you think is never coming back? Well, when they introduced who the villains were going to mm. be this week, it was like 
these weird weird yearbook freaks walking around taking pictures of everybody very invasively but then willow just starts chit-chatting with one of them like they've got rapport and i was like oh are they introducing like a willow love interest Mm -hmm. because they would never make her get with xander would they um i'm really hoping they don't um but no they killed off that teenager or did he survive which one did they both survive i think the only people that died were the monster and his wife who never even lived um but yeah we didn't even really see him at the end of the episode it was just like it was about willow and xander afterward but i agree the first scene with chris was very like we are flirting i she like um what's allison hannigan i feel like she was giving him the flirty eyes during that Mm -hmm. scene which we don't get a lot of from willow yeah because the whole conversation she's like well what are you gonna beat me with this year i enter every year and get second if after you like that kind of thing it was very will they won't they even though we've never heard of this guy before and i i i am supportive of that type of character being introduced for willow Mm -hmm. um let's get her a love interest let's get her away from xander definitely that's the most important part this episode was written by Ty King. I uh, love this name, T.Y. King. Like, thanks, King. Um, obsessed with that. Um, he w- worked in TV for uh, many years. Executive produced Parenthood. Not in not the 2000s version, but the 90s version. Um, before writing on Guild Wars 2. Uh, he, has, he has very funny bios on his various websites and stuff. Uh, just about his life and growing up he married his middle school sweetheart uh and he's recently written a middle school book uh for for young children um and not so much on the tv writing anymore buffy this buffy this this was his second to last tv credit in his next episode which he does later this season is his final television credit Mm. uh sad to say because i mean i think it seems he's got some talent i like his stuff uh this episode was directed by bruce seth green one of our go-to director guys as far as we're concerned seasons one and two of buffy uh directed teacher's pet and the pack and nightmares prior to this okay so he's only directing bad episodes (laughs) (laughs) only monster of the week episodes anyway bad monster of the week episodes (laughs) because they've been good in the past but the pack was but the pack's not bad and this episode's not bad no the pack was bad that was where xander got possessed and then tried to rape buffy yes but i feel like on a whole the episode's not like a bad episode yeah I mean, I had fun watching it. And what about this episode? Did you have fun watching it? Yeah, I did. It was fun. Sounds this like... is better than the pack. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so he's going. He, he's improving with every uh, opportunity to direct on this show. Mm. So you think that Nightmares is better than the pack? Ugh. Can we even them out? So he plateaued at the pack didn't really improve on anything in nightmares mm. and now in new season he took the summer off just like buffy went shopping got some new dresses some new directing ideas and i yeah i would say this is an improvement on season one i, th- I think so i feel like there's more to play with 
uh, here than there was. Anyway, for our IMDb deep dive, I was looking into the guy who played Eric on this episode. Uh, he it was very interesting. He was one of the writers on the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World movie, hmm. uh, which I was very surprised by. And he also seems to be like a go-to guy for... Uh, what is his name? The guy who did Kill Bill, Django Unchained, all of these things. Oh, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. He did. He's in Django Unchained. He's in Inglorious Bastards. He's in Death Proof and Grindhouse. Like this guy was in all of these Tarantino films. And yet, I've never seen him before in my life. I mean, I must have seen him before, but I would never have been able to know that. No. And then he also was in Free Willy, and I'm guessing he might, no, not the main kid, but he must be one of the, he must be some young kid in that movie. Yeah, his name's Perry in that movie. I've never seen Free Willy. Me neither, but I remember my neighbors had, like, a VHS of it, and they really liked it. I feel like Free Willy has come up on this podcast before because some director or someone worked on it. I don't know. This guy? Michael Bacall? Michael Bacall, the actor, yeah. Could be. That could be it. Whoa, the notes are all color coded. Yes, I've thought I've been, I've been trying to figure out the best way to take my notes. Anyway, yeah, there's there's a whole system. Wow, was this what you did when I went for my little rain walk? <laughs> uh, in part, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so the I would say the major elements of this episode, outside of the like case of this like Frankenstein guy, is like Angel's jealousy and Giles and Jenny. Yeah, I would say that is a a fair assessment. And those plots are sort of pulled into the main plot a little bit. They're involved. Like, yeah, I mean... Like, Giles and Jenny are there, sort of. Um, Well, yeah, they gotta have them all in the same place. They're there. um, And then Angel... I guess Angel wasn't really at the fight at the end, was he? Oh, well, no, he helped. He saved Cordelia. Xander saved Cordelia. No, the first time when she was in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. And then well, they yeah, found like, the dead body. Yeah, like, yeah. for sure, in the episode. Well, yeah, the, but the, we start, and it's like, the first major thing that I clung on to was Angel being like, they're talking about being jealous of Xander and Buffy dancing up on him in the last episode, and Angel's like, you think I'm jealous of him? He's just a kid. And it's like, dude he goes to school with the girl you're trying to date like yeah and she talking about and she called him out on that she's like so do you just see me as a 16 year old kid and he doesn't answer that question he purposely evades answering not loving angel no angel not not serving this episode (laughs) um yeah buffy's romantic choices not not great right now yeah i can't think of any man who she's spoken to that i would want to see her in a relationship with no maybe the master we liked someone maybe there i think one of the nerds in the moloch episode we were like hey what about that guy (laughs) oh the one who like saved Saved her her from from being electrocuted i feel like he's the best option (laughs) and even he was working to like take over the world because he was in that love cult anyway yeah so we're still on the lookout for a suitable match for buffy (laughs) we'd love it if our girl had anything yeah but i'm sure 
everyone in the 90s thought this was all appropriate and sexy and compelling. And I'm sure there are many people watching today who feel the same. Oh, don't come on this pod. Truly. And like, yes, it is a vampire trope. But it, And I'm here to say that it's bad. It's still bad, even though it's like a genre mainstay. Yeah. It's whatever. I'm glad that Buffy is not being let off easy for her weird sexy dance on xander in the last episode like i think that whole scene made me really uncomfortable and i don't think we should just move on from it like we need to address buffy's trauma and why she is doing this yeah i agree i and because because it really was kind of just like brushed under the rug after cordelia talked to her about it in the last episode and i forgot that they even like kept talking about it but yeah i like that it's like they're referencing this moment and i think it's supposed to make us uncomfortable it's like why did she do that and it's like what were her intentions behind like all of that well she realized xander got hot over the summer <laughs> true he still looks good you had a very good observation during the episode oh yeah looking like a young milo ventimiglia is that how you pronounce his last name i say ventimiglia but i don't really know how it is yeah. supposed to be said well they look identical and maybe they're like the same age i don't know maybe they're twins I, you know i think they could be similarly aged sure a milo ventimiglia type but he looks so much younger than xander because i'm thinking about because gilmore girls would have been in like 2002 when he was introduced and he looks so young then and nicholas brandon already looks very very old wow up until this moment i forgot he was in gilmore girls which is kind of crazy so you were thinking of him as heroes i did yeah that is where my head went was heroes milo mm. he's but, not on that too yeah very um yeah we did watch gilmore girls we we uh, i'm sorry that i didn't think to make a podcast about when we were watching gilmore girls for the first time uh we weren't really there yet in our uh relationship stage no and I, you know we're still figuring out we're like next and week and we, are we who even knows? there yeah we, who knows <laughs> i hope we are but we'll, we'll we'll wait to find out till next week yeah watch this space um and so yeah and then the other thing big in this episode giles and jenny first date what are you thinking what are your thoughts loving it i mean from the first moment they introduced her i caught the sexual tension between the two uh like these two teachers are gonna date mm. and they are i thought it was great um giles I think it is very in character for him to not have a lot of dating experience and to be very nervous around asking someone out and not really knowing how to go about it. Um, so I actually like really love the scene where Buffy and the rest of the gang were giving him advice for how to ask Jenny out. And then he totally fumbled it and she was the one who ended up asking him out and made it so natural and like sort of conned him into going on a date with her mm -hmm. it was great i loved it i've got a thing you've got a thing we should have a thing yeah <laughs> puppy's advice and i think that works i think that's good advice you know there's no need to make it too formal um they're just two co-workers dating each other and you know perhaps at a later date we'll get into co-worker dating discourse but mm. for now i think it's charming they seem pretty even on the power scale of the Sunnydale High. Yeah. Power-wise, they're on the same level, but like is it a is it really a good idea to be dating your coworker 
what if you break up? Sure. I mean, yeah, it's but there's no like ethical quandary as there might be in the uh, other relationships we will discuss. No. Um, excited to watch this relationship blossom because as we found out, they're going to go on a second date. They are going to go on a second date. I do love that they just keep introducing things that make Jenny so opposite of Giles where like <laughs> she loves football and it's like Giles could not care less about football and I mean, just like her mentioning burning man in the previous episode and her whole thing is computers and it's just like these are all things giles couldn't care less about and i love that kind of relationship any any opposites attract relationship where they're like they they're like in part sniping back and forth but like in a bantery kind of way i love that kind of dynamic between characters yeah they balance each other out um and i just think jenny is so charismatic on screen and she's so interesting and i in a way i really don't find giles that interesting like he is that regular degular like mentor Mm -hmm. white guy who's in all of these stories and that's fine and he does the actor does it well it serves a purpose to the story i guess but jenny is just so much more compelling to me as that figure she's 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 a very original kind of character in this kind of story i feel like where we expect there to be some old dude with books but like we don't think of some hot computer gal yeah as part as one of the mentors like you're saying especially in the in the 90s i feel like as someone who's born in the 90s i can't really comment on what the culture was like then but i feel like uh single young woman working in tech working in computers um was very irregular um so i'm sure irregular deregular irregular deregular (laughs) um i don't know where my point was going here but she's just a very unique character um ahead of her time yeah i feel the elizabeth holmes of her time you hope you hope i hope you love elizabeth holmes yeah well she's a, a woman in stem a has jenny worn any um turtlenecks yet not that i've clocked mm. but we'll be on the lookout we'll be on the lookout i feel like there have been other turtlenecks and one could easily find its way to jenny a hundred percent i do remember it wasn't jenny but cordelia definitely wore like a weird t-shirt turtleneck and i commented on it for the fashion the anti-fashion mm. moment Ooh. Oh yeah, I turtlenecks really do need to be long sleeved. It's a strange look to be like. I feel like sleeveless turtlenecks are something Lorelai would wear on Gilmore Girls a lot. But it wasn't even a sleeveless turtleneck. It was like a short sleeve. Yeah, very strange. Very strange. Speaking of Giles, he did the monologue at the opening of this episode. He was saying, "Into every generation, there is a chosen one." Yeah, that was new, at least to me. I don't remember that being in the first episode of this season no well it wasn't in the first episode of this season and in season and in season one it was like a generic voiceover spooky guy saying that kind of thing yeah do you think it's going to be a different well (laughs) do you ask yourself (laughs) this question no i think it'll be giles that seems to as we were just commenting that seems to be the the character he's playing for the buffy universe is the wise old man dispensing wisdom knowledgeable about the mythos yeah yeah that makes sense um so we get a lot of cordelia in this episode as we're always thrilled about loved it um i feel like a broken record these last few weeks but it is just so great to see her being integrated into the main cast more it seems 
Like they didn't really know what to do with her at the beginning of the show. They're like, we're going to have the mean popular girl because we're making a high school show. But Mm -hmm. she didn't really fit in at the beginning with what they were doing. And I'm not sure she really organically fits in now to the plot. Like if this was a real, if this was real, I really don't see Cordelia hanging out with this group at all, but she's a main character. She's being paid the same, hopefully. And she is in those scenes. She is. I feel like the issue in season one was that there, I think that they probably just expected there to be a lot more scenes that would be normal high school and it'd be easy to work Cordelia in. But as the episodes go along, there's just more and more scenes where it's like them investigating the supernatural happening or them talking about somebody who died and like what they're thinking about it and theorizing about it or going to fight the demon. And it's like if if Cordelia doesn't know about vampires, she can't be a part of any of those scenes. True. Maybe. Do you think they were assuming it would be more balanced of a show, like half high school, half supernatural vampire show? Maybe. Or like they they just wanted to wait until the finale to bring cordelia more in or something like i think they because as we were noticing in season one like she really doesn't appear that frequently um i think that they just like maybe boxed themselves in and realized that they needed to start like having her be a part of the active active storyline about the supernatural creatures instead of just being the one who like is kind of in danger sometimes like i feel like in the in the invisible girl marcy ross episode they like finally realized that and started like having her be like finding out about what's going on and then in the finale she's attacked by the vampires saves people from vampires fights vampires yeah and i think we've commented on this before but i do like how this show sort of suspends disbelief a little bit when these characters learn about the supernatural or anything related to Buffy and they just sort of accept that that is what's happening. Buffy is a vampire slayer. Yeah. They don't ask too many questions. They, they're bought in. And I think that works. It does. And, and even when Cordelia, even though Cordelia during this episode is like, Ugh, why is every conversation you have about corpses like she still has her normal reactions even though she understands the supernatural part of it in this episode we learn a little bit about cordelia's backstory a couple years ago she was like totally in love with this football player uh daryl who then died uh r.i.p to daryl yes and even though he's been brought back to life cordelia no longer feels the same way about him anymore um and it's, you know, we, we love getting a little tragic backstory on our mean, popular girls. Yeah, it, it shows you that they are just like the rest of us. They hurt just like us. Yes, she bleeds. Uh, and it's, and it, she screams. She screams so well in this episode. Uh, in the basement scene, she's like, I promise I'm not going to scream. Just take my blindfold off. And then the second she does and she sees Daryl's like, what what do you even call that? It's like seamed like face. Like stitched together. Stitches, it looks like a baseball. yeah. yeah uh she instantly screams so much she's what a what a what a wonderful girl uh how did you feel about the actual monster of the week this episode you just watched red frankenstein like less than a week ago so give us all of your frankenstein thoughts yeah and yeah it's it's interesting because i think i would probably feel differently about this if i hadn't just finished this book like three days ago but Mm. The plot is basic. It is exactly beat for beat what happens with Frankenstein. <laughs> really? and, I, I mean, not like beat by beat, but it's like 
this mad scientist decides to create life to see if he can. So I guess that's a little different, the the reasoning why they created the the monster. But then this guy realizes he's so hideous that he can't go outside, and he is so depressed that he bullies his creator into making him a wife so that he can like live out in solitude with his wife because he just wants human connection and they start the frank frank dr frankenstein starts making the wife and then decides i have caused too much harm in the world like i cannot bring another person like this into society i'm just going to ruin their life and make them miserable um and so they discard the the wife and then the monster attacks and goes after the so i guess it is different i guess i've talked myself out of my original statement that this was exactly the same in that it's close enough it's close enough to not feel subversive or that interesting to me sure yeah they're not really saying anything about frankenstein they're just like what if there was a frankenstein in a high school yeah and i the the creative team the makeup department whoever was the prosthetics people whoever was responsible for creating our, our monster of the week they really leaned into it and they said we're gonna do frankenstein and we're not changing what the the iconography of frankenstein is yeah and they yeah because even you're talking about like the guy deciding he could no longer do this or whatever but i guess chris's moral issue is not so much that he can't bring another frankenstein into the world he's like i refuse to kill in order to do this yeah um but but i feel like the concept of frankenstein's wife the bride of frankenstein is not as not always in a frankenstein retelling or like i feel like it's more just about like pulling a lever and lightning striking a body like that is frankenstein you know and see that doesn't even happen in the 1818 text (laughs) um modern prometheus yeah we don't know if any re well i guess in this modern retelling Mm. well we didn't really see the frankenstein being raised yeah, yeah. it had happened in yeah the past, like, so we have a couple really no idea how this happened no sort of like the book so exactly like the book i'm back to my original statement <laughs> this is a, the exact plot of frankenstein and it was fine i guess they <laughs> i mean they gotta make one of these episodes once a week they mm-hmm. gotta crank them out so i'm expecting more episodes of this quality sort of mining the historical monsters that have yeah entertained the masses sea monsters yeah uh, a werewolf perhaps you keep you keep bringing up these werewolves i haven't seen anything about any werewolves in the show i don't know maybe we'll get like uh the invisible man oh we Mm. did we got we got the invisible invisible man What's the the Dorian Gray the picture, or is it a mirror? I don't know. It was a, I think it was a picture, an evil picture. I don't know Dorian don't know. Gray. Please, he was gay. Canonically, good, great. I I don't. I've never read it. I don't know anything about it. Sorry. Um, yeah, I th- I think that they'll just. I think we'll be clocking these. Uh, 
genre tropes or known monsters throughout. Yeah. Um, th- we, we definitely need to talk more about um, Angel and Buffy's, like, whole thing in this episode. But I felt like there was one other, like, um, Buffy emotional through line in this episode when she would talk to Chris. And she... There, she and Chris were like connected on some level. I felt where she was like trying to reason with him in the locker room, and she was like, "Chris, like, you can still come back from this. Like, you haven't hurt anyone yet. Like, and but like Buffy's like, I know what it's like to lose someone who's close to you, like, and it's hard to deal with. But like, this isn't how you go through it. But I'm wondering from your perspective, like, who is she talking about in this? way where she's like some like i know some i know what it's like to lose someone yeah i don't know um i'm trying to think of the like main adjacent characters that have passed um the only ones that are really coming to mind are the master and darla um maybe she's talking about herself when she died at the end of Mm. season one and she's like i lost part of myself but that seems a little I don't think that's what the writers are trying to say. Or maybe she just lost someone. Or the dummy. The dummy died. <laughs> if this was about Sid the dummy, I'd love yeah. that. I would love that. He's he's finding creative ways to stay relevant. I hope I hope he comes back. Yeah. I'm gonna choose to believe this is about Sid. Great. I think and and you have not seen the film. But I think it's a reference to something that happens in the movie. Somebody died there. Because uh, otherwise, they, she really hasn't lost anyone in the show who she was like very close with that we know of. No. Um, and then the other thing with her and Chris, like when they're under the bleachers and she's like trying to get him to tell her where the lab is. And he like doesn't want to do it because he like knows that if he delays Buffy, then maybe Eric will be able to build the girl for daryl she says like you can't just give and take lives like this like you can't just like kill someone to like make a life you can't like just do that kind of thing but it feels like it's kind of like her maybe potentially commenting on herself where she's like maybe she's conflicted about having to kill so frequently so often yeah well the vampires are already dead yes but I guess we are talking about other creatures who haven't died yet. Yeah. And it does seem like vampires are inherently evil. But I feel like we've seen that there are some supernatural things that aren't evil. Yeah. So maybe she is moving away from a simplistic black and white worldview um, to something a little grayer. Could be. Uh, we'd love an an- Taylor Swift anti-hero Buffy. No, we don't want that. <laughs> uh but just the anti-hero then yeah i want uh a buffy that fucks noted yeah do you think that buffy will fuck in this show yeah definitely we'll see uh so yeah more about angel cordelia buffy xander all this quartet is kind of in conversation uh as throughout this episode Angel's jealous of Xander for Buffy dancing on him, and Cordelia gets in the dumpster because Angel's following her to find out where Buffy is, and then Cordelia is like, uh, begs Angel to take her home because she's scared. There's so many different like interplays here with all the different dynamics. Yeah, and 
I and at the end, Cordelia then tries to like flirt a little with Xander, and he brushes her off to be with Willow. Yeah, yeah, it's like this is the part of the show that is still not working for me at all. Is the the teen romance aspect <laughs> of it really? Yeah, because I don't care about like Xander and Angel suck, and yeah. I don't care about them. I want them to be written off the show. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I love this aspect of most teen shows, and part of what makes it work is you care about the characters. And there, I, I think there's a fine line between making characters like unlikable or giving them unlikable traits to make them more human, and writing a character like Xander, uh, who's so unlikable, I can't see how anybody would be charmed by him, regardless of how much he lifted over the summer that's i mean it's a fascinating view i hope i do think it is limiting to have these two guys be the ones who are involved because they are bad in their own ways um i i hope that they introduce a guy who you might root for i like i still liked all this stuff in this episode i at least from the perspective of the girls uh like i love like cordelia being so scared or whatever that and like i like she's alone in the parking lot and she drops her keys and then like when she when she sees the angel she's like so excited yeah and it, yes it is nice i hope cordelia gets gets a nice boy i hope buffy gets a nice boy or they start dating each other um but i i mean at least with the angel aspect of it i think it it's exactly the same thing we've been saying about the weird age gap between him and buffy oh, like yeah. it's like this one 16 year old is not into him so he's gonna go after this other 16 year old or like not going after her but like the show is setting that up right. or it's like, like a, a potential and yeah it's just it's interesting it seems like the the writers and the creators can't seem to figure out where they fall on that line like is this weird that we're having a 200 year old pursue a 16 year old or is it just quirky vampire stuff that we're going to comment on and i i don't know i don't know that they have figured out what they want to do with that or what if they want to say anything i it the, to, at least from my perspective of the episodes we watch and then again i'm talking with the full knowledge of the text but i don't think we've seen them comment on the idea of a 240 year old vampire going after a teenage girl like it's that nobody's like talking in those terms nobody's like because even if he was the age he is as a human, he's still, like, a decade older than Buffy. And, like, that's not even being discussed. It's just, it's just like, they're talking about it through the lens of, like, a vampire being in love with a human at all. Or, like, a vampire and a slayer being together. But nobody's being like, this is so fucked up. No one's saying that, but there was a line this episode. I think it was when Buffy and Angel were talking at the beginning. Where at, they at least commented on, or, like, noted hey, you're 200 years old and I'm 16. Yeah. And, like, because when Angel called Xander a kid and Buffy was like, well, I'm the same age. But he, but then he's like, but you're different or whatever. But, like, I guess that's just, like, normal abuser stuff. Yeah. That's good. Not good vibes. Not good. Um, and, yeah, it, I mean, I think David, Bor I don't know how old they want, or they're trying to tell us that David Boreanaz <laughs> is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he looks at least 30. Yeah, I think he's like 
mid to late 20s or 30s yeah um yeah i again i mean this is just every episode we don't like buffy and angel being together no and we don't want buffy and xander to be together right and we don't want cordelia and angel to be together and we don't want cordelia and xander to be together or willow and xander no (laughs) we we only want giles and jenny to be together and we want Buffy and Cordelia to be together. Yeah. And you were liking Cordelia and Willow together at the end of last season, too. Yeah. And, like, there's some of that here this week. Not romantically, but in that scene where Cordelia was like, all you guys do is talk about corpses. Willow was like, oh, Cordelia, do you want to, like, come out with us tonight mm. and do, like, whatever hunting they were doing? Um, but Cordy had a cheerleading date. Yeah. And there was it was also because uh, when Cordelia came into that scene... After they had discussed Cordelia's science fair project is going to be tomato, fruit, or vegetable, Cordelia came in and was like, Willow, I really need some help with my science fair project. And Willow was like, it's a fruit. And then they like moved on. Yeah. Uh, so, the, you know, they're, they're engaging. Yeah, they're engaging. And, you know, Cordelia, she still remains the best part of their show. Easily. When they were doing the science fair, the, or the first science fair scene where she was talking about what her project was going to be, mm-hmm. she was like... I needed something I could do this weekend. So yeah. she's like, she has other priorities. She knows what her capabilities and limits are. And she was like, if I had the time, I could do a great science project, just like you, Willow. But I have things to do. I have cheerleading practice to go to. I got to go to the bronze. I got to flirt with Angel. Mm-hmm. That's a full weekend right there. I, I agree. But, and I feel, but I feel like from the uh, sapphic love entanglement, from my perspective, to me, I'm more interested in the Cordelia and Buffy, yeah. As they dance around these men, using them as weapons of jealousy against each other. Because if we're talking about how Angel felt some type of way about Buffy's dance up on Xander, and like that's causing these emotional scenes in this episode. At the end of the episode, Cordelia goes after Xander because Buffy started dancing up on him. Not because of that, but it's it it follows from that moment, and it's kind of like maybe but maybe Cordelia thinks Buffy's into Xander now, and so she's gonna like try to flirt with him. They just need to admit their feelings to each other. Yeah, but it, instead, at the end of the episode, Xander just like pushes her off it's like xander and will are talking about why they don't have any romantic relationships and then will is i mean cordelia's like hey and then they're just like i'm trying to talk to willow here uh and it's like that's why they don't have any because he like brushes off the one person who's asking for his attention yeah which is too bad you would think that somebody in xander's position (laughs) would welcome cordelia talking to them you would think that, but also I'm happy that after an entire episode of Xander, like Xander was next level sniping at Cordelia all episode in this episode for whatever reason. And so I'm glad that there this didn't, this wasn't an episode where they had some major emotional breakthrough together. No, definitely not. Yeah. Um, What did you think about Daryl and Chris's mom? She was there. Um... I felt bad for her. It seemed like she was really going through uh, a mental health crisis. Yes. And uh, for listeners who might not have watched the episode, she's in this like catatonic state, can't stop watching the football games that her dead son, who she he, and she never even learned he was alive again, yeah. uh, like would play. Yeah, I, it felt sad. I felt bad for her. I felt bad for 
um chris who i'm sure the death of a child the death of a brother really fucked you up and it seemed like she was not there for her the the son who was alive maybe that pushed him into this scientific creation um i do think because yeah i feel like he would have I feel like he brought him back to life because he knew his mom was so upset. And but and then I would think that maybe Daryl wasn't letting Chris tell his mom that Daryl was back to life because she didn't know, even though he lived in her basement. Like it's upset. I wish there was like one more check-in with her and Chris or something, like at the end of the episode, sort of like them reconciling or like some moment between we never even really we saw him talk to her for like one second, but we never like checked back in with that relationship no and i don't know that we're going to in the future you don't think chris is here to stay i don't know i don't think so you don't think the scooby game needs a frankenstein no they they were ready to burn two different frankensteins this episode true well i'm in dr frankenstein all right frankenstein yeah um no i don't think they're looking (laughs) for one of those okay um the gang is is pretty full right now true i'm not willing to cut cordelia or jenny from their like they're orbiting the gang they're trying to get in neither of them are getting cut for chris definitely not we can't have another man who has tried to do something evil (laughs) no no more men in the group yeah uh any other thoughts on this episode uh i don't think so it was it was pretty middle of the road buffy for me um still good still enjoyed it for the most part um i thought buffy's hair looked a lot better this week um i thought jenny's hair looked even worse (laughs) um so they're not they're not really making any net improvements that's tough um yeah i thought that the like writing of the last scene between angel and buffy was nice enough i'm glad that angel um was like admitted that he was jealous like we like you know they you can only lie so much before you know telling the truth of your emotions in this kind of show uh, i'm glad that he said that and then he they they walk home together because the sun is about to come up and it'll be a new tomorrow but they still don't kiss. no they they, they hold kiss. hands oh wow so chaste no. um but yeah Monster of the Week episode, a lot of the emotional stuff was surrounding the, like, characters of the Monster of the Week part, uh, but there's still merit here, and I wouldn't, you know, I feel like there are a lot of uh, skippable lists out there on the uh, social media platforms, but I, well, I would say that this episode is still worth watching. Yeah. It was fun enough. Yeah, it was fun enough. Um, another thing to comment on, it looks like they misplaced all of their outdoor lighting this episode (laughs) we're back to season one lighting the night shots were tougher um but we'll keep tracking yeah uh moving on to our end of episode segments we've got some fan analysis new segment name titled by michael lawless whoa uh from tumblr user what i don't i can't even read this out loud uh ovelia girl had it right of is that is that what you think i guess ovelia girl had it right who's ovelia i don't know uh must be some fandom they're on anyway 
The entire episode happened to be overhauled for it to work, of course, so that Daryl isn't a creep, even though you do partly feel sympathetic towards him, of course. But part of me is interested in the Daryl-Cordelia relationship because she did love him before his untimely death, before he was a Frankenstein back, but didn't get didn't the guy actually break her heart before that? Wow. Probably because of my interest in Beauty and the Beast type ships, of course. Really nailing the, the of course on the wall. Um, <laughs> I oftentimes think of all of the love interests of the characters in this series ever had. And this whole thing was interesting. I mean, it obviously meant to be parallel to Bangel, which is the ship name of Buffy and Angel. Uh, I don't ship and I don't use. In a lot I don't of ways. claim the Bangel title. <laughs> but a more horrifying version, question mark, arguably question mark. And while Buffy was willing to love a monster, Cordelia wasn't here yet. And for some obvious reasons. Uh, and if things were changed, it could have been even more interesting. I think that's fair. I th- like they, if It does seem like they were making a parallel to Buffy and Angel. But I don't think that they drew enough connections for it to be like good like it, there was no moment where buffy like buffy or angel or cordelia or daryl had some thought on like the connection or like i don't know no i and i'm I, I maybe i missed it during the episode but i was not picking up on cordelia like having been in love with this guy before he died um, oh she was yeah well i mean yeah, she was in love with him, but I I guess I viewed it as more of like a this girl is like two or three years younger than yeah. him. Like the age gap is particularly noticeable when you're in high school, like a thirteen year old and a sixteen year old dating or like I think it would have I don't been know, maybe like I'm... I think it would have been like the start of Cordelia's sophomore year and his senior year. Mm, okay. Still I don't know. It, I mean, it didn't. It didn't resonate with me. Sure. Um. But yeah, she will. And then, and and there's this part in the scene where she's strapped to the thing, and he's like, "I'm sorry that I didn't love you back then. I didn't think of how great of an opportunity would have been for me to be in, us to date or whatever, something like that." And but he's like, "I'm so glad I got the second chance to tell you now before he's like gonna cut her head off to put it on." the woman the mm-hmm. woman frankenstein's body but like i don't know it's not they this is i think that this is where they were trying to go with it like a beauty and the beast kind of thing is what buffy and angel have going on but there's so many issues with it i feel like there's a um there's a scene in x-men 3 where storm and rogue are talking about the cure and there's a like i feel like it gets passed around a lot and it might be a tumblr gift set anyway storm is like there's nothing wrong with us so you they can't cure us and like it's of course storm is gonna say that there's nothing physically wrong with her she can touch anybody she wants and she can like fly through the air but saying it to someone like rogue who like anyway what i'm trying to say is the comparison is not a fair one because like angel is this like beautiful man like who's just like sure he's a vampire but he's still like behaves normally and like whatever compared to daryl who's this like seam-faced guy who like and cordelia is not involved in the world of evil the monsters at all anyway it's a it's a it's a uh flimsy comparison i would say yeah i'll i'll agree with your points here no and i <laughs> no i do I, I i just don't think the the cordelia and daryl of it all 
was not there enough in the episode for it to be like a yeah we never got cordelia's actual perspective on it we got her implying that she was she had pain because because they brought up chris and she was remembering daryl and we heard about willow telling buffy about cordelia being heartbroken about daryl but we never heard from cordelia about her thoughts on like the relationship yeah i get in we don't know it, that would have been great a great scene they could have filmed um maybe it was a bonus scene on the dvd we'll never know because yeah, we watched had this to go to Hulu for this one um but yeah i guess i just always assumed it was like she was into this like star football mm-hmm. player and was quote unquote in love with him but he never gave her the time of day because she was an underclassman or whatever but maybe maybe i'm reading no. too much into it to... i mean i think that makes sense i think that is what happened i don't think they dated I th- he yeah. like just turned her down so then she was like sad when this hero of the school died that she had a crush on but yeah i guess i never i didn't pick up on them ever having like a relationship or even like a, a friendship or anything like that yeah it's a tough comparison to draw when we don't get the emotional side of Cordelia and we've never heard of this guy until we needed to for this episode to happen. Um, but I like the thoughts from Tumblr user Ovelia had it right. Yeah. Ovelia, thank you. She had it right. Um, they were trying to parallel to Angel. Anyway, moving on to our other segments. Biggest slay. Mike, what's, what was the moment of the episode that made you say slay? It really pains me. And it pained me while it was happening to do it. But during the end fight scene, like, Cordelia is strapped down. Um, Buffy is fighting Daryl. Some gasoline has fallen over and the building is on fire now. Um, Xander rushes in and, like, is trying to save Cordelia because Buffy is occupied. And, like, the flames are coming up and he he just can't go over there. They're going to burn down. And he just, like, jumps on the gurney that Cordelia is still strapped on and, like, pushes through the fire to safety to the other side of the room. And that was good choreography. That was slay. I feel like my biggest slay is similar. It's chore- it's choreography. Like, I feel like all of the fights were dynamic in this. Like, it, it opens with Buffy fighting a vampire and she just, like, wails on him so quick. Uh, and then she does that moment where, like, Eric has a bag over Cordelia's head and Buffy, like, jumps up and, like, snaps <laughs> her leg up and kicks him up in the face and he, like, runs off. Uh, and then I feel like when she was fighting Daryl at the end, she there was some good uh, back and forth there, too. Yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller really worked on her kicks over the <laughs> summer. <laughs> she had the kicks in this episode, that's for sure um and then uh moving on to fashion moment uh mike what was the fashion moment of the episode for you yeah kind of a weak fashion episode the girls were not girling in this episode no there were pretty weak looks um but jenny was wearing the belt from last week uh to the football game mm-hmm. uh it was very low on the waist didn't look like it would hold it a, was, a pair of pants it up. was loose as hell like it was like <laughs> It was a, it was like one to five inches <laughs> bigger than her actual waist was. Okay, so she's skinny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she she knew that that belt got cut out of episode one and said, "We're getting this on We're screen." We're bringing this back. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I noticed, and I don't even know what scene it was in, but Willow had these like starfish earrings, um, which I thought were cute. 
Great. I didn't notice those at all. So I'll, I'll be on the lookout for them. Um, and for me, yeah, no one was serving, sad to say. There was a good Willow shirt at one point in the episode, but primarily the the main the main thing that stuck out to me fashion wise was that Giles was wearing gloves and a scarf. Like I, it was we just always only ever see him in his like uniform, and so like to have even one thing change, uh, was very noticeable. So yeah. he's in his winter gear. He gotta you gotta dress warmly for the football games yes. for those Friday night lights. Indeed. Um, moving on, Xander Slander. Michael was the worst moment Xander had this episode. Well, him brushing off Cordelia at the end of the episode was very rude. I thought it was big of her to go up to Xander and thank him for saving her life, especially with all of the shit she's been talking about Xander for her whole life. Um, but no, he blew her off. Um, and I thought that was very rude. Um, another moment him and willow were in like a classroom somewhere doing some scooby gang research and willow was doing all the work naturally and he just kept making these like jokey comments to try to get her attention or something Mm. and that was just annoying willow was helping the group willow was doing her job and you are just being a nuisance I will say my worst moment of the episode was all throughout him talking shit about Cordelia. It's just like enough. Um, there's a part where Angel reveals to Buffy that Cordelia told him that Buffy lied to him about what Buffy was going to do that evening. And he's like, yeah, Cordelia told me the truth. And Xander just instantly is like, first time for everything. And then Cordelia is like, why do all these bad things keep happening to me? And Xander's like, karma, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude go away like she does more for the group than you do (laughs) she's so much better than him in every single way it's like unimaginable um but moving on to she slayed uh who was your favorite character of the episode my favorite character of the episode i'm gonna i mean i have an honest answer but i'm gonna go with the interesting answer Mm. i think willow did a great job i thought Willow. willow really stepped her pussy up when it came to Helping out with the group with the research this week. We got some flirty repartee between her and Chris at the beginning. We got some details into Willow loves to enter the science fair every year and always get second place. Um, I was thinking it was so interesting this episode of thinking about Willow because she it's now multiple times she's referenced these like other groups of friends she yeah has. she talks about knowing all these guys in science club who might be able to like make the incisions they would need to like make this body and she also referenced in the season one finale knowing all the av club guys yeah. and it's like wait, go go be friends with them i i believe willow has her own social life that she just doesn't tell xander about because she knows it would depress him even more and she doesn't want him part of as part of the group no she knows that he's toxic don't bring him into any new groups maybe maybe we need to rethink season one episode one willow clocks that buffy is going to be the new weirdo and was like i need to lump her in with the other weirdo (laughs) friend group like she can meet xander (laughs) (laughs) i love that idea um my favorite character it's it's tough because i do feel like there's a lot of interesting stuff that they could have done with chris that they did not do like if we had gotten more of his internal internal thoughts and if we had checked back in with him at the end of the episode 
after his brother dies, we don't hear from him again. And so it's just like, it kind of, it. they set up this cool, interesting character who's like in this moral gray space and is like conflicted about so many things. And like, they just like go nowhere with it, which was upsetting to me. So I guess ultimately I'm giving it to Jenny. Uh, she she was a legend. She she knew what Giles was trying to do the entire time, and she just like turned it around and made her in the power position. And then at the end, and asked him on a second date. She slayed. She's the top for sure. <laughs> um, I think those are all of our segments. Um, uh. Let me see. Oh, I didn't check if we have a new review. You know, based off of previous trends, I'm going to assume we don't. But, hey, anything's possible. Oh, I've got to update my phone later tonight. It's asking me to put Whoa. my thing in. Um, moving on, we do not. So, perfect. Well, we did just record oh, right. an episode yesterday. yesterday was the <laughs> previous record, so that makes sense. Um, anyway, Mike, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Well, we are at Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter, where you can see all of our current and previous fashion moments, um, and probably other commentary about the podcast. I'm not on Twitter. Um, and, and I strive daily to get off of Twitter myself, <laughs> but I'll always, leave, I'll always be able to post through my podcast accounts. Yeah, I think that it's a healthy, a healthy balance there. I hope so um and as always i am at flawless lawless on instagram sam oh uh you can follow me at bitterdurst pod on instagram and twitter by the time this comes out derek and i will have done an episode of fiji forever talking about the michelle Yi boot um and we'll be coming back survivors coming back on march 1st and so we'll be doing cast assessments uh mid-february and yeah follow me at sam stanish just on Instagram, I guess. I got. I really got to get off Twitter. It sucks so bad. Yeah, stop um, plugging your Twitter I, on um, here. It, it, it's it's helpful that it's the same thing, but just follow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I think that's everything. Great, great. Thanks for listening. Come back next week. Leave us a five star review. Leave us some fan mail. Oh, didn't even check if we have fan mail, but if we do, I'll read it on the next episode. I think that's fair. Fair. Okay. Uh. Bye. Slay. Slay.